Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The latest from 7 News with Angela Cox. Good evening and welcome. Tonight, the Australian Open vaccine controversy escalates. New revelations in Alec Baldwin's film set disaster and the mandatory social media restrictions for Australian children. But first, let's take a look at the top stories this evening. Pfizer is meeting tonight with the medicines regulator to discuss the efficacy of its COVID booster shot. Approval of the brand's third dose is expected in the next few weeks. Australia's expert panel on vaccines is likely to recommend a gap of around six months between our second and third jabs. We are on track to become the second country in the world to roll out COVID booster shots to the entire population. Where are you, baby? That's the heartbreaking question Cleo Smith's mother posted on social media today, 10 days after the little girl vanished at a campsite in WA. Police are asking several mystery campers at the blowhole site to come forward. They're trying to identify a car seen leaving the area around 3am with a $1 million reward on offer. There are reports bounty hunters are looking for the four-year-old. Crown is about to learn if it will be stripped of its Melbourne casino licence, putting 11,500 jobs at stake. A Royal Commission report and the Victorian government's response to it will be tabled in state parliament tomorrow. An inquiry heard the casino underpaid taxes, facilitated money laundering and had links to organised crime. The former New South Wales Deputy Premier didn't hold back at a corruption inquiry today with his thoughts on Gladys Berejiklian's former boyfriend, disgraced MP Daryl Maguire. John Barillaro testified that he didn't know about their secret relationship until it was exposed. He believes there was a conflict of interest but no corruption. Still, he says when it came to chasing government grants, Maguire was incredibly pushy. It's a pain in the arse. Um, it was very very strong local member and uh, someone that really didn't um, let go. It was a dog of the brain. As we go to air, a final plan to lower Australia's carbon emissions to net zero by 2050 is being signed off in a Cabinet meeting. The Prime Minister is expected to outline the policy tomorrow, having won the support of the Nationals. Scott Morrison will take the plan to a climate summit in Glasgow, flying out on Thursday. And New South Wales students might be a little tired tonight after finally returning to face-to-face -face learning. More than half a million students packed their bags today, the last year groups under a staggered approach. But not all of them could get through the school gates due to COVID closures. We'll get a wrap-up of day one in a live report. It's increasingly unclear whether unvaccinated tennis players will be allowed into the country to compete in the tournament, and if they are, how it'll all be managed. Live to Sarah Jones at Melbourne Park. Sarah, there's a lot of confusion about this. Talk us through it. 
Good evening, Anne. Well, up until today, the federal government has said that no Australian Open player would be allowed into the country unless they're double vaccinated. But that all changed today after a leaked email from World Tennis Australia that revealed that unvaccinated players would be allowed to arrive any time after December 1st, but will be subject to two weeks hard quarantine. It also said, please keep this information confidential until the government makes an official announcement. Our Health Minister Martin Foley addressed the media earlier today. He says no decision has been finalised. Let's take a listen. We need to make sure that our friends at the Commonwealth uh, do their bit to make sure that the rules apply as consistently as possible to everyone. We don't control the borders, we don't issue the visas, uh, the Commonwealth does that. And Sarah, what about the rules for staff and crowds? And all staff and all crowds will need to be fully vaccinated as well as has, have proof with our, with our COVID certificates. And of course, all of us here in Victoria will be well and truly used to that by the time the Australian Open gets underway as we prepare for a vaccinated economy this summer. And OK, thanks so much, Sarah. School children across New South Wales are getting back to their old routines tonight with all grades returning to class after four months of remote learning. Tom Saker joins us now from Sydney. Tom, how did day one go? Well, Ange, I'm sure there were some nerves and maybe some, even some anxiety among students today, but I'm also sure that there was overwhelming relief for the uh, 500,000 students who finally got to go back to school today after, you say, four months of online learning. Also a huge relief for parents, but now they can finally get their education back on track. It has been an incredibly difficult time. Uh, students from year two to year 11 finally joined their classmates from kindergarten, year one and year 12 today. A huge day for the state. Uh, obviously been a very difficult year for Year 12 students who, it was announced today, can apply for special consideration after having a severely disrupted year and they will need that with their HSE exams not far away now. Uh, I can also tell you that 25 schools were closed today so day one didn't even come for quite a number of students and teachers as well. Uh, as they're all undergoing uh, deep cleaning for COVID uh, and which in some cases can last for about 24 hours and the Education Minister doesn't yet know how long that is going to last but there will be some very strict COVID safety measures in place for at least the next few months. Uh, children who have been vaccinated will have to isolate for seven days if they have been in contact uh, with a positive COVID case, 14 days for those kids who have been unvaccinated still. The good news is that close to 80% of children between uh, 12 and 15 have received their first dose. More than half have received their second dose as well. Teachers, uh, the overwhelming majority, uh, have also been vaccinated, 96%, but 3,000 remain unvaccinated with that November 8 deadline looming. So they will have to get vaccinated if they want to get back on school grounds. But I'm sure it was a huge relief overall for students, parents and teachers today uh, of New South Wales, Ange. Yeah, this was the real freedom day for a lot of parents. Um, and Tom, you have new details tonight on the future of the Sydney Hobart race. What can you tell us? Yeah, that's right. I can tell you that uh, it has been confirmed with the Cruising Yacht Club of Australia that this year's edition of Sydney Hobart will go ahead at this stage. It was cancelled last year, about a week before the race was due to go ahead for the first time in its 76-year history. But the Cruising Yacht Club... Uh, 
Cruising Yacht Club confirmed to me today that the race will go ahead and they do already have 100 entrants who will line up on the start line. Huge relief for sailors, uh, but also for people who see this as uh, one of the most special traditions uh, on Boxing Day in Australia. It is a great tradition. Great to see it back. Okay, thanks so much, Tom. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. It is crunch time in the race to vaccinate in Queensland. This week is the last chance for people to receive their first dose if they want to be fully protected by the time the border reopens. Ben Murphy is across the details for us in Brisbane. Ben, how is Queensland tracking in hitting the target? Well, good evening, Ange. According to the Premier, we are on track to hit the 80% double-dose target, which has been set for December 17. Though it should be said that even if the state doesn't hit that target, borders will be reopening then anyway. What is starting to evolve here in Queensland is somewhat of a disparity between the regional areas and their vaccination rates, particularly in some of the Indigenous communities like Sherberg and Yarrabah, where double-dose rates are in the low 20s at this stage, as opposed to inner city areas like Brisbane. So the state government is working on a plan at the moment to try and address this difference between the two parts of the state and they have said that regional areas which don't lift their rates could see ongoing lockdowns and restrictions as part of their policies moving forward. Queensland has hit a new milestone today. We saw 75% of people now receive one dose of vaccine and 60% of people are double vaccinated. So things are slowly moving in the right direction in Queensland. One of the culprits it's suspected for low vaccine take-up or a slow vaccine take-up is the fact that we've had very little virus in this state compared to other parts of the country. And Ange, today was no exception to that. Another day of zero COVID cases in Queensland. Yes, but we don't want that to change when those borders reopen. Everyone needs to get the jab. Okay, thanks so much, Ben. From today, businesses can access a share of $60 million in funding to help increase Australia's cyber security capability. Network Finance Editor Gemma Acton joins us with more on this. Gem, what can you tell us about this initiative? Well, and every year the fight against cybercrime steps up, uh, both here and abroad and also between businesses and governments. But unfortunately, every year, cybercriminals become a lot more sophisticated. So these attacks are just increasing in both frequency and how much money they're taking from individuals and businesses, whether that is vulnerable individuals, often the elderly who are having money exhorted from them, businesses who often uh, get their data stolen and then forced to pay a ransom to get it back, or issues of national security where citizens' personal information and government strategy are what's at risk. Now, the Australian Cyber Security Centre says that every eight minutes a cybercrime is reported to it, and about a quarter of those pertain to critical infrastructure assets, so food or energy or healthcare, for instance. 
So the government is looking to push forward a law before the end of the year, uh, which says that if you are a critical infrastructure asset in Australia, you have to report a cybercrime if it happens to you in a bid to get more of a, a look at what's uh, happening here. OK, also, let's look at cyber safety for kids. There's a new law um, for social media platforms. Yes, yeah, so this is draft legislation that came out today, the online privacy bill, and the idea is that if somebody under the age of 16 is signing up to a social media platform, they have to get parental consent to do so. Uh, it's obviously a step to protect children from their information being shared and collated, collected, sold and then used against them for, for profits. Uh, Australia's been really forward moving on this. No other country in the world has taken a step as advanced as this. Uh, and it's quite interesting because it certainly got pushed up the agenda a couple of weeks ago when the Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce's daughter was trolled online and so here put it right in front of the Prime Minister's nose. So this this move has uh, accelerated quite, quite quickly in recent weeks. So how will this impact the way companies operate here? Well, here in Australia, it's a requirement that if there is a law regarding privacy, industry groups have to have a say in how it's drafted. So the first draft is likely to change quite a lot. Now, Facebook has come out today and said, oh, we absolutely support this. We think it's great that you're looking at to protect the interests of children. That obviously flies right in the face of everything we've heard out of Facebook in the US in the last couple of weeks, where a former Facebook employee provided many examples to the US Senate saying that Facebook and Instagram, which also owns, are well aware of the damage their products are doing to teenagers in particular with regards to eating disorders and suicides and has always just ignored that information in order to chase after profits. So it'll take some convincing to believe that Facebook really does want to help and uh, privacy groups here in Australia are very concerned that these tech groups don't have too much say in the draft in the law because they might dilute it too much. Mm. But look, it is a step. And again, Australia is really at the forefront of what's happening here. Yeah, it's a positive one. OK, thanks, Jim. Thanks, Andrew. Alec Baldwin has met with the husband and young son of the cinematographer he accidentally shot dead last week. Their meeting came as industry insiders pointed to safety concerns that Hollywood appears to have ignored. Outside a New Mexico hotel, hugs, tragic and yet remarkable. Alec Baldwin consoles Matt Hutchins two days after a shot from Baldwin's prop gun killed Hutchins' wife, Chief Camera Operator Helena Hutchins. Hugs too for Andros, the couple's nine-year-old boy. Reports today say the consoler had himself been inconsolable for hours after Thursday's lethal blunder. Even the emergency call to the movie's desert set is laced with blame. So was it loaded with a real bullet or one? I I cannot tell you that. The caller angry about the movie's assistant director. that yelled at me at lunch because asking about revisions. He's supposed to check the guns. He's responsible for Dave Halls, the crew member who declared the Colt revolver safe and handed it to Alec Baldwin. Apparently, hours earlier, seven crew members had stormed off set, angry over issues that included safety. This is probably the most egregious, negligent accident I've heard of in film history. Elena Hutchins' father has told a British newspaper, I don't hold Alec Baldwin responsible. The props people handle the guns. The Santa Fe district attorney yet to decide who, if anyone, will be charged. In the United States, Tim Lester, 7 News. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Let's take a look now at how we are tracking on the vaccination front. 86% of eligible adults have had at least one jab. 73% have had two doses of the vaccine. In 10 days, on the 4th of November, we will hit our 80% target. And in 23 days, on the 17th of November, 90% of eligible adults should be fully vaccinated. Thank you for your company this evening from the team here at 7 News. That is the latest. I'm Angela Cox. Good night.